people uh, comprise a larger section of global population but we should be uh, active in uh, shaping the future of the world as well as because as we are like a majority in the globe we could also shape the future of ourselves and if we could shape the future of ourselves that means we are shaping the future of the world itself and that was john paul joss a young environmental and climate activist from india and this is the power for all podcast the podcast is a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty Today I'm your host Matuba Mathachi in for Christina Skeka who is the founder and CEO of Power for All. In today's episode we'll be discussing the role young people can play in the climate change and the renewable energy sector. Our focus on the youth coincides with International Youth Day. And today's guest is John Paul Joss. This year's Youth Day theme is intergenerational solidarity. We will explore through John's work how this intergenerational solidarity between industry leaders and young people can be embraced. John is a social, environmental and climate justice advocate hailing from an agricultural family in Kerala, India. Living in nature and experiencing environmental changes and climate crises drove John into taking action with experiences in dozens of organizations as a volunteer, ambassador, advisor and consultant. He's also involved in research and policy development. John is working on building advocacy resources and livelihood-based restoration. For listeners joining us for this podcast, Power for All is a global campaign of over 300 partners around the world dedicated to ending energy poverty faster. You can learn more about Power for All on our website powerforall.org, the socials, and of course by subscribing to our fantastic newsletter. As a 501c organization, Power for All depends on the generosity of listeners like you. Please consider supporting our work at powerforall.org/donate. John, welcome and thank you for joining us in this special edition of the Power for All podcast. Hi, uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm uh, happy to be here. Great. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Now tell me um John you know your pa- your passion for conservation was quite clear now in the intro that I've just read but let's give you the mic so to say to tell us how your journey started as an activist and what lit the fire that got you so hands on in the bid to save the environment Well uh, I come from a agriculture family so that helped me to uh, get more interested in nature so since childhood Uh, during free time or coming from school or even at school i used to be always uh, engaged in nature in some other other way either by observing it or planting trees or engaging in agriculture but when i moved to uh, other places for studies i had no privilege to engage in a similar way because i was in hostel so i had to find my own ways to interact with nature and also kind of rebuild the kind of relationship i had at at home so i began to join um, like volunteer and form groups in cities that engaging planting trees and also i began to read a lot about uh, things which led to decline in nature biodiversity and also environmental issues and that actually like gave a lot of insights for instance one of the first strikes or movement i joined was one against the uh, diversion of rivers that was like a complete 
destruction of forests, environmental landscapes. So some of us couldn't stand uh, for it and organized protests and movements against that. So slowly it gained momentum. And like the situation demanded, I began to engage in different spaces. And finally it ended up in somewhere like what we are in like a climate activism. One awesome. That, that that sounds like an interesting journey you've had in your activism. And speaking of your activism, you started quite early in your life. And for someone as young as 10 years old, was your activism always taken seriously, especially on a topic that wasn't as mainstream as climate change? Yeah, for instance, as uh, like 10 years old or like, yeah, even very young people, the kind of things which I have been doing here only when I was like in 18 or like then only I came to know what that was like an activism because like uh, planting trees or picking up plastic or for instance like some kind of behavioral change or joining protests. So those used to be something uh, I have been doing as a matter of conscience or like some something which was like part of my life. I never considered them as an activism or anything. They were like something which I have been doing along with my studies or uh, actions. But only when we began to see uh, globally the rise of climate activism and environmental activism, the media began to shape it. Then only I realized those things constitute activism. And so the, the my public engagement is what I see like more like an activism because that actually was something which I tried new rather than like normal ways I used to live. So that that's where that uh, changes comes in. But many people consider like what I am doing now as something that is not as an activism. But what I have been doing since childhood constitutes as activism because many people say activism means like it's doing something rather than. Uh, protesting or uh, like uh, kind of uh, acting as a destructive force against development and so on. Yeah, great. That's a great answer. And look, your activism has inspired a lot of people and myself included. And I congratulate you on the good work you've been doing. And I hope you get more strength and resilience to do what's right to save the, the environment. And, and, and I've also read a lot about you and anybody who does a simple Google search on young people in climate change, your name would come up, which is a great thing to see. But just tell me now, um, John, how important is it in, in your view to have young people championing climate change, renewable energy, and everything that pushes us to the goals that will see carbon emissions er eradicated? Yeah, for uh, young people, like we always uh, waste a lot of time in other things we might not think about uh, ourselves or our future. We kind of live within the system. So for instance, if we are studying, along with studies, we engage in some entertainment uh, playing and also at the same time looking for the future which we want to see. But we kind of forget what happens in the system and we never explore it. And even if we come to know what we try to follow our career, and reach somewhere in a position that our academics or uh, job opportunities gives us and do something from that stage. But when it comes to climate change, everything matters. If I am an infant, if I am informed, if I could do something, even that matters. 
So as at this age, being young people, like we could actually, as we are in a learning stage, we are also learning about what's happening in the system and why system likes the leadership and likes that scientific um, uh, agreements to act on climate change. So that's why young people becomes more important as someone who is getting informed, learning and growing up, learning the realities. And also at the same time, uh, being a future adults with rights to vote, with uh, right other rights coming up as we age up. And also like in the, in the 30 or 40 or 50 years, we will be the adults who will be living in the world. So we doesn't want to live in a world full of crisis, running after crisis rather than enjoying the life. So we want to build our future rather than uh, some other generations that is not going to live in the future deciding it for us. And yeah, listening to your words, it, it, it does look like a brighter future if we get to implement what, what you are talking about at the moment. And we are all trying to fight to see, you know, the, the environment being saved, and which is why we have seen so much research that show that, you know, decentralized renewable energy is, is, is much more cheaper and more efficient way to give people power. And I use the word power loosely. It depends how you look at it uh, from where you are. And there's even more research coming out in September from, from us, Power for All, that will point out to the possibilities of job creation through the use of renewable energy. Do you think the research on climate change and renewable energy has been successful in influencing policymakers? Yeah, recently, um, as when it comes to climate solutions, we have renewable energies. So when at the moment the renewable energy becomes a solution, it spreads up new avenues for research. So every year and on, there will be new studies coming up, how to use renewable energy, how to tackle it and how to expand it, how to implement it and to reduce carbon emissions. So it's very much important we have those research, but adopting this research and this in policies, it depends upon the some leadership that actually agrees with climate change and kind of consider the science. For instance, as you have said, the decentralized renewable energy is like more cheaper and efficient way to give power to people. Yes, it's true. If it comes uh, to the policymakers and if that policy becomes executed, then we could see rooftop renewable energies like solar or micro wind powers or like micro hydro powers. And also at the same time, different landscapes getting up those renewable energies for instance, agriculture communities able to generate their own electricity. And all of this, like the power of generating electricity goes to people in this, in those cases. They will have an opportunity to do so. But currently, only capitalist industries are producing it. So we are thinking the same way. We are thinking the same capitalist way like we used to produce fossil fuel industry. We are trying to use the same way to produce uh, renewable energies. That's why we have like large areas being uh, accommodated for hectares of solar energy, trying to produce massive figures. So someone takes up some uh, area and tries to build up uh, some particular amount of energy. Another one tries to uh, like build up something more and bigger. So it's something like a record-breaking event that countries could take pride of. So they are trying to implement larger and larger of standalone renewable energy projects rather than diversifying it to different landscapes, different communities, and different uh, like systems within the society. So that- yeah, thanks for that answer, John. Now, John, 
as you talk about you know what we should be doing to get things right to save the environment and to reduce carbon emissions we also have cop 27 that's coming up in november it will be held in egypt as a young climate change advocate yourself what should be high on the agenda and what sort of outcomes would you like to see this year so one of the important thing is like it's happening in a global uh, south mainly in a region like like formerly exploited by other regions and also like having more vulnerabilities so that actually shift uh, the focus from like a eurocentric uh, climate solutions or climate action to something which focus on people who are really impacted by it so we all thought uh, the cop 27 will be like accessible to all groups but there are like a lot of issues uh, for instance accreditation issues also um, since the cop is happening in uh, egypt uh, there have been a like, huge uh, rise in uh, uh, accommodation and other prices so that itself a kind of diminished hope for uh, people from especially from poor countries so as it is it was happening in an affordable country in comparison to glasgow many people expected to participate there but these issues uh, are standing as roadblocks but if young people like more of them could be able to be there that actually brings uh, more diverse voices into uh, climate solutions and also bringing up more stories of uh, uh, climate crisis because currently across the globe young people are the best available uh, storytellers about what is happening on the ground the reality of climate crisis and also the same time linking it with the solutions that is being implemented on the ground and solutions that the scientists are saying so young people are like a bridge to connect various stakeholders and to scale up the climate actions that we need to see. Thank you, John. And, you know, as I listen to you, I also remember that, you know, you have the first-hand experience of how vulnerable rural communities are to climate change. You know, take us through some of those experience experiences and talk to, talk us, talk to us about the interventions you're advocating for to ease the anxiety that comes with climate change, especially for rural communities. Yeah, so uh, as someone coming from an agriculture family, we face uh, immediate effects of uh, climate change because we depend on nature for survival, like livelihood or any kind of uh, things which we need to move our life forward. So as the impact of climate change is more felt on the nature, like nature also changes. So sometimes we doesn't get expected yield from the crop or crop doesn't survive during extreme weather events. So that brings a lot of distress to the way in which we live and also kind of makes us to rethink should we continue our livelihood or should we move out of this place like others. So this kind of pressure looms in. And also at the same time, we have uh, like increasing land use changes around here. So for instance, we have like a quarrying, then like huge plantations coming up, and then the slopes being cut and other unscientific constructions happening around here that actually uh, kind of reshape the landscape. And when there is climate crisis, the landslides are very much common here due to these land use changes. So we have to move forward in looking to uh, adapt to climate change and continue our livelihood. At the same time, living in fear if the impacts of climate change uh, like could exacerbate or impact us more. For instance, recently, like since last week, 
uh, we used to be in a flood situation. We had landslides nearby and also at the same time, uh, many regions got flooded. So even while sleeping, we had that fear, like even if a coconut falls down, we think it's like some kind of like rocks coming out or any landslide happening. We have that uh, fear still looming around in our minds, even while we're sleeping. So that's something which is becoming common because extreme weather events are like more common nowadays in every month. So that actually kind of brings more fear and anxiety. But we look forward to nature as, as our source to de-stress and to come out of anxiety. But sometimes even if the nature which we try, try to rely on to ward off our anxiety is in danger, that is another story. So we, we are like in a complete peril. So we need like more external help and anything to come out of this crisis. Yeah, thank you. And well, in conclusion, John, as we commemorate International Youth Day in 2022, I'd like to ask you to leave a message for the youth here, a message that that future generations of young people will listen to and maybe help them stay on the cause to save the environment. What, what would that message be? Young people uh, comprise a larger section of global population, but we should be uh, active in uh, shaping the future of the world as well as because as we are like a majority in the globe, we could also shape the future of ourselves. And if we could shape the future of ourselves, that means we are shaping the future of the world itself. So we have to be very uh, rightly informed. We should bring and also build up a system that favors everyone to live in a peaceful and equitable manner. So we have to take any stand that actually helps us to do it. So that is, we have to engage in the democratic processes. And also at the same time, we have to be a critique. And also we have to think of ourselves and the nature along with that. Oh, great stuff. Thank you so much for that message, John. And thank you for making time to join us on The Power For All. Thank you. It was wonderful talking to you. Yes, and for the listeners, thank you for listening. A reminder that you can find a wealth of sector news analysis and data on our website, powerforall.org, and our platform for energy access knowledge peak. You can also sign up to receive our monthly newsletter if you'd like to support our work. You can make a donation via our homepage. Until next time on the Power for All podcast, it's goodbye from me, Matiba Masachi. <laughs>